Congratulations. You made it to the Xville. You can sit back and relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTV Trigger here, and with me, as always, is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along for that journey. This week, we're going to be talking about all things about the new wipe. We're going to be talking about Patch 12.9, the Woods expansion. We're going to talk about what we've been up to and what we think about the new wipe. But man, what a week it has been. We recorded our last non-bonus episode just two days before the wipe announcement. So episode 52, we recorded, and two days later, they announced the wipe on us. So we had no idea. So that was ultimately three days before the wipe happened. So a lot has gone on since you've heard from us last. But before that, before jumping into it, let's get our hideout keeping out of the way. And this is your annual reminder that this is where we talk about the community, Discord, and any other announcement type stuff that we have. And on that note, if you somehow missed it, on December 24th, 2020, uh, Battlestate released the Woods expansion. So they significantly increased the sides of the Woods map. And along with that patch came a wipe. So every single player in Tarkov had their account effectively reset. So everybody for the last week has been on the grind. So as far as Xfil news, not a whole lot has changed with us. We've just been enjoying the wipe. I still cannot believe we've been at this for just over a year now. So we just released our one year anniversary episode of the Xfil podcast. But that's everything that's going on here. So, Ronald, how are you, man? And make sure to let these folks know how they can get in touch with you as well. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Wish you all a happy new year and looking forward to getting into tonight's show. Uh, The best way to get a hold of me is always in Discord. Send me a message, tag me in a message, whatever. Uh, We are pretty active on Discord and always looking to help out there. Other than that, you can find me on Twitter at Ronald Gaming, as always. And I hang out in MTB Stream a couple times a week at twitch.tv slash MTB Trigger. If you have something more formal you'd like to get to the show, go ahead and email that to xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. But that's pretty much it. Well, since we're going to be talking about the fresh wipe in Tarkov, I do think it's worth noting that support for this show is brought to you by Manscaped.com. And I just want to let everyone know, Manscaped does have fresh wipes, a.k.a. the crop mop. Basically, these are individually packaged, refreshing wipes. So whether you're a professional on the go or you're on your fifth attempt at finding that new camp on woods and you just want to make sure that it's not you that smells when you finally make it to the family dinner table, unwrap a crop mop and make sure everything below the belt is as fresh as it can be. Manscaped.com. Use code XFIL, E-X-F-I-L, for 20% off and free shipping. Other ways you can support the show, share it with a friend. Best thing you can do for us, let somebody know. Whether they're new to the game, they're checking it out, they're interested in Tarkov, 
Let them know that we're here. Let them know about the XP Media Discord and community. We also have a Patreon. So for those of you that would like to directly support the podcast with a monthly gift of as low as a dollar, we have a Patreon for that. And lastly, it's our social media channels and our YouTube channel. Uh, You can find me, if you're looking for me specifically, at MTB Trigger on Twitter. You can also find me on Twitch under that handle, as well as Discord. And if you're looking for our guides or the talk show version of this podcast, go to youtube.com forward slash XP Media Now. We have a ton of additional content, not only on Tarkov with guides, with our thoughts on patches and things like that, uh, but we also have some content on other games as well. So like we do every single week, let's talk about how our week was. And I know it's been crazy, man. But uh, how has your week been? We're one week into the wipe at the time of this recording. So how's it been going for you? Oh, it's been crazy. The wipe, you start over unexpectedly. So everybody knows as of last week, I was really looking forward to spending all of my rubles on close quarters combat in uh, the resort or in factory or maybe reserve or you know, uh, maybe even going into dorms and customs, but that plan completely out of the window, new plan time. So we have a new plan and basically starting over with everybody else. It's been great because I'm trying a totally different way to play the game for me and I'm having success. I'm broke at the moment, which is something new and interesting, but overall I am enjoying this wipe so far. How about you? Oh yeah. I mean, you said a few things there, man. The surprise number one, (laughs) you know, I was, just getting ready to grind labs. I wanted to learn labs before this wipe and not just jump in there. Like I kind of know how to do it. I know where most of the stuff's at, but I haven't really farmed it or I didn't spend any time grinding it. And my whole plan was to spend the end of the wipe farming labs, figuring out how to play on labs. So I didn't get to do that. But I will say that the timing of this release was such that I had a fair amount of playtime, and I've actually been really, really enjoying this wipe. I can't wait to talk about it. I honestly, there's so many things about it that are different, that feel different, and I've just had some amazing raids getting stuff done. So yeah, I, I'm I'm all about it. I definitely think it feels uh, feels different, feels a little harder, but it's going to be fun to get into this because I think a lot of people are definitely experiencing a different Tarkov game than they have up to this point, you know, for sure. We've been a year into playing Tarkov and it feels like a totally new game uh, playing right now. Yeah, it does. And I think kind of intentionally too, though, I've been playing a little bit differently as well and shifting my focus a little bit. Um, I, I am, I'm going to go after Kappa. Um, I'm not going to rush it, but I am going to continuously work on tasks this time. I took a huge break from tasks last wipe, and I was kind of picking those up and finishing them at the end there. And not to get Kappa, but just to finish them out. And this wipe, I've actually really appreciated the progression of the tasks because I've stayed a little bit more engaged with it. Haven't gone back to factory to farm XP as much. But I've I've really been focusing on basically spending every ruble that I earn and my time in raid focused on hunting down barter items that can be used or traded for something useful in my hideout. And to this point, I am level 23 and I've got everything done in the hideout that I can 
except for med station level three. So as far as where I'm at and where I've gotten to, my my immediate goal in the near future is to purchase a Ledex on the flea market because I don't envision myself farming one. So I need to farm up some money for that. But basically from 23 to 30, I've done everything in the hideout I can. So I'm going to be producing barter items to make money while that's going on. But as far as the hideout goes, I've been spending all my money there. Because I really wanted a scab junk box, a lucky scab junk box to be able to toss my items in. And I, I kind of honestly want a second one as well. So it's been, uh, it's been a crazy, crazy kind of week to be at 23 already. And then having just unlocked Peacekeeper. And basically my, my next set of goals is to continue grinding out the hideout and be ready for level 30 when I get Ragman and Mechanic level 3 and unlock a big chunk of the hideout after that. Yeah, it sounds good. I've been working on the hideout as well, mainly focusing on getting as many things opened up as possible as early as possible. Because the real advantage there is that, like you say, you can actually do trades and make money to fund the later, more expensive things. And the last wipe, I guess the first wipe we played, I had no idea what I was doing, so I don't really count that. It's like preseason game. But the last wipe, I did not do that. I just kind of focused on playing the game and kind of got stuck around level seven. And it was kind of a frustrating experience. And this time around, I decided that I wanted to avoid that. I knew that was going to happen. And between level 7 and 10 in that area, you know, if you can't play a lot or if you are playing a lot and dying and just not getting a lot of XP, it's kind of the first frustrating kind of hill to climb in Tarkov before you open up the flea market. And one of the things I specifically did during that time was I kept all of my barter items. I just didn't sell anything. And that's different for me. I've always sold things to try to keep my ruble count high so I could do whatever I wanted to do. But knowing full well that I was coming into the flea market, the timing of this wipe and the player base having extra time because it's over a holiday break, I decided that, hey, it's time to keep all those barter items. And I my stash was a mess, a full mess, as I came into level 10. And it was hard because I wasn't going to get rid of things unless I absolutely had to. And I was always on the constantly on the edge of having no money. And it was right, you know, it was, it was right there. It made that hard. But as soon as I hit level 10, I immediately spent, you know, two hours selling a bunch of different things which I knew I wouldn't need for tasks. And then it was really weird. I went from being broke to over a million rubles right away. And then, you know, kind of catapulted into the next phase. And right now I'm level 14. I'm about 1,000 XP away from level 15, which is the, the next major phase for the hideout. And I'll have enough money to push the next phase of the hideout. And I think I'm going to end up in a similar position where you're at, where I'm doing as much as I can right now, pushing it all as quickly as possible. Because it's like building the foundation for playing the rest of the game. I'm not sure if I care about Kappa or not. I'm enjoying doing the tasks that I have been doing. Battlestate has specifically made some very interesting changes. But I'm not sure if I care about Kappa yet. So I guess we'll see how that all ends up. But I'm kind of in the same boat, just a little bit uh, behind the progression where you're at. Yeah, and you know, on the subject of Hideout, while I'm thinking about it, I think one of the best things that I did for myself was I, I knew there was some big items that everybody was after, especially once you unlock the flea market and if you've experienced an early wipe before. But there's things like hoses and light bulbs and motors, things that get really expensive really quick because everybody needs them and 
they need them in massive quantities, right? Hoses are insane because they're, you know, a two-slot item. Everybody needs like 18 of them, and it's just crazy. So one of the things I did, which I'm going to show you this, and I'm going to make sure there's nothing on here that's too crazy, but when I started really focusing on the hideout, I realized like, man, there's so many things that I need, and I don't know exactly when I need them. But I started going into the hideout and I would basically just look at what the next tier required. And you start seeing that you need a bunch of wires, you need light bulbs, you need plugs, you need all these things. So for those of you that watch, I'm holding up my my hideout notepad. And I basically listed out the upgrades and what was required. And I had this next to me all the time. And I thought about creating this you know, on a spreadsheet or something else. But it was kind of nice that if I was in that like, moment of, okay, I'm sitting in a room, I have to make a choice between do I pick up this propane or a motor or whatever else, I could just quickly pick this up and look at it and not have to mess with other monitors or or whatever that was. So something to consider is just, you know, use what the game gives you. If you go into the hideout and you click on the particular uh, station, and then it's got the level two, level three or whatever down at the bottom, you can click that and go see what you need for the next one. And my biggest recommendation for this is hold on to stuff that you need for the hideout. It just makes life so much easier when you already have one, two, three, or four out of the five or six that you need so that if you're going to buy them from the flea market when you unlock it, it's not nearly as big of a hit or as big of a farming task. So I think we're going to get into something you said, how the wipe feels a little bit different because I agree with you and I I do want to get into that. And because of that, it's actually caused me to change some of my playstyle things, or at least how I manage my stash and my inventory when I'm in a raid. Absolutely. Before we do, specifically, I want to tell everyone, save 15 light bulbs. This is probably the biggest tip that's right now that we can have is light bulbs are going for 50, 40 to 50K in the flea market, and you need 15 of them. And that's a lot of currency early on in this to get illumination level two. So save 15 light bulbs. Another interesting thing is push your lavatory to level two so you can start making mag cases as soon as possible. You need three mag cases for the scav junk box trade, or you can just sell them for 350k in the flea market. They're selling right now. So if you're running out of money, that is definitely a profitable trade. And my last quick tip in this section is save your keck tape. Keck tape is going for 80,000 right now. And keck tape is very, very common actually out there in file cabinets and in bags. You can find it on the floor or shelves in interchange, whatever. So the keck tape's all over the place. Save your keck tape. But I agree with you. There's lots of items that were used to having very little value that are now extremely valuable. And if you're at level 10 and you've unlocked the flea market, do some browsing around. Take a look at what's valuable, correlate that back to what your hideout needs, and you get a real idea for all of the various barter items that you find when you're scaving around especially. You could get an idea of what those are worth and which ones you should keep and which ones you can sell. For me, the biggest problem I've been having is 100% I lost all my cases. All of my beautiful cases, man. I had the dream last wipe. I had the... 10 thick weapons cases, the 10 mag boxes, the 10 ammo boxes, all sorted by caliber. It it was glorious. It was beautiful. And so for me, starting over is this like wonderful and horrible situation of stash management. 
right? And figuring out where to put stuff, how to organize it. And oh my gosh, I just got an insurance return and I got two days worth of dying a lot. And now I got to figure out where to put all that. One of the things that I've really enjoyed is honestly figuring out where to put stuff. But the strategy that you outlined is something that I'm going to recommend to everybody. And it's the Lucky Scav Junk Box Craft in Lavatory Level 2. The reason it's so powerful is, one, having a Lucky Scab junk box is huge. I mean, it's, I what is it, 128 squares? I can't, it's, I think it's, what is it, 12 by 12? No, it's bigger than that. It's 196. 196 squares for a 4 by 4, right? So it's 16 slots in your inventory for 196 slots of barter item storage. Nothing better than that in the early wipe when you have to collect a ton of barter items for hideouts, for tasks, for everything. So one of the things I recommend is, yes, just like you said, craft magazine cases whenever and as often as you can. It's worth spending money on the flea market if you're not finding those items to craft magazine cases for a couple reasons. One, while you're crafting up the three that you need for the Lucky Scab Junk Box craft, you can store magazines in there to save space from your guns by taking off the pistol grip and the magazine and reducing the slots that they take up in your inventory. So while you're working towards crafting a Scab Junk Box, you can store all your magazines in there and you can kind of store your ammo in there too by keeping those magazines full of ammo and ready to go. Now, it will hurt when you take those magazines and turn the magazine cases and turn them into a Lucky Scab junk box. And when you do that, make sure you take your magazines out of the magazine case or when you turn it in, you will lose those magazines. Make sure you take everything out before you do that craft for the Lucky Scab junk box. You don't want to lose all your ammo and mags, but it's a great space saver while you're saving up items to get your Lucky Scab junk box. And I just highly recommend it. It's the best case in the game. I think for the, I mean, it's one of the best items in the game, period, because of how much space it gives you, but it's wonderful as soon as you can get it. Yeah, and one of the best things you can do early on that's really not that expensive is go out and get some gunpowders and create yourself an ammo box. It's a trade and it's a really cheap trade. And that ammo box is going to take a bunch of early ammo out of your stash space and it's going to save you a ton of space. That's actually the very first thing that I did is I went out and I did that and it cleaned up all those extra squares being taken up by ammo and it is a huge, huge advantage in the beginning. So if you're struggling, like at level two, you can do this. This is like an early, early thing. If you find those gunpowders, go out and get yourself an ammo box. Five blue, two green. That's the trade. Five blue and two green. Yep, absolutely. It's, a, it's an easy one, and it's great that you can do it so early on. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to end up having tips and stuff that jump to us the whole time, but I do want to dig into your comment about the wipe being a little different, because this has been a very interesting start to a wipe, and I think for anyone that's been around the game for a while, and, and myself included in that, it's noticeably different at the start of this wipe, and I've been hearing it all over the place from veteran players to new players. And so I kind of want to jump into this and I'm curious what you think is different. Do you think the wipe's easier, harder, or is it just different? What are your thoughts on that? Let's dig into that a little bit. Well, I think it starts in whatever phase of the early game that you're in. So I think before level 10, it's a lot harder. Now, healing is free, 
until level five. So keep that in mind when you're done with your raid. You may not know this, but when therapist gives you the healing screen and you die, click apply there and it's free until level five. So that's a good thing. But between level five and level 10, before you really have access to the flea market, you're going to die a lot and you're going to run out of the various things that you were given to start the game off with. For example, you're going to run out of those CMS kits to heal injured limbs. So you're going to hit a point where you have no way to heal an injured limb and all you can do is continue to buy a one-off bandages from therapists for heavy bleeds and for uh, like the cheeses to heal. And to me, what I really noticed is I died a lot more between 5 and 10 than I did last time. The grind between 5 and 10 is considerably harder. And because of that, it really forces a point between, I would say, 8 and 10, where it's very, very hard to play Tarkov. You get stuck in this rut where you don't have access to any healing, and you keep dying, and you don't have any money. And scaving has not been super great, you know, because the scavs are all kind of unequal. And so your money-making system that you had set up before to fund your grinding in Tarkov is very much disrupted, and you can't do it that way. So you have to come up with a different way to do that. And I've just noticed that because of all of those things, the game has been a, a little bit more frustrating, to be honest with you. So at the same time, in other ways, the way that they've changed the early tasks even though they are hard, they feel a little bit more doable. So I've been happy about that. But, you know, there's there's definitely the player base is different, too. There's a lot of things to explore there, but those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, when they moved the flea market to level 10, that was a big change because it cut off a big way to make money early. And then they had the therapist healing, but it wasn't free. And now they're sending items from Prapper once a day for your first week to help out with that. So I, I think there is a realization from Battlestate about the game being super challenging in the early levels. And I would say especially for new players. I mean, I would consider myself pretty experienced. I have uh, pretty good map knowledge on almost all of the maps now. And it's still not easy. And to the point about dying a lot, I do think that there is a big thing that happened with the release timing of this wipe in particular. The vast majority of the player population has now experienced a full wipe, meaning they started one and finished one. And now we are all, those of us who started, you know, last December or January, which is like 90% of the player base, right? Over 200,000 players. Where you've all seen and experienced the highs, the lows, what items are used, what items aren't really useful. Uh, we know what trades that we like for the gear that we like when we have access to it from the traders or the flea. You know, you kind of have an idea of what's used in the hideout when. You know that hoses and NACL and light bulbs, like we talked about, are extremely valuable. But the big thing here is normally, in my opinion, there is a huge difference in playtime, meaning the low playtime players and the high playtime players, regardless of skill, regardless of map knowledge, regardless of all that, in the beginning of a wipe, there becomes this huge spread, right, where the high playtime players, they go in and they grind and they basically like get out of customs super quick. And then the lower playtime players, you know, the guys that uh, play just on Friday night or whatever. They're kind of in customs doing their thing. And there there becomes this gap in playtime. 
But I think this wipe, because it was released on the 24th of December, right before Christmas, high playtime and low time players all had the opportunity, or a huge chunk of them had the opportunity due to normally having time off or more gaming time. Everybody played a lot, <laughs> you know? So there's not this huge gear gap or time gap. So whether you're normally a low time player or a high time player, I think the player base is a lot closer in time played, and that means there is a lot more skilled players running around in every map because a lot of people had time off, a lot of people uh, slow down for work and things like that. So it's been super challenging from that standpoint because, man, it just feels like everyone's really good. Like every player I run into is really good, and it has led to a lot more deaths. So, I, I mean, everything you're saying, I totally agree with. I think it's good, though, because there are a lot of people that don't get to play that often. Let's say you're a less than, say, five-hour-a-week player. You know, you're in that low-time category, but it doesn't mean that you're bad at the game. It just means that you don't have a lot of time to play. And I think there's this notion amongst the people who play a lot that unless you play for a high amount of time, you can't be good at Tarkov. And that's just not true. And I think that's what's happening right now is you have a mix of all the people who are good, but don't have, you know, those 25, 30 hours a week to play video games. They're playing with the same people that play for 25, 30 hours a week. And you can see it in all kinds of different groups and streams and whatever. You can see the surprise and some of the high time players where they're pushing to level 35, level 40 already, but they're dying a lot. They're not used to that. And so I actually think Tarkov is a fascinating game because playing for hours and hours and hours does not necessarily make you, you know, miles ahead of everybody else. There's a learning curve of Tarkov for sure. When you hit the place where you have an understanding of map knowledge, map exfils, where to go for loot, those kinds of things, you figure out your way of making money. And you figure out how to use the environment to your advantage, whether that's sound, whether that's, you know, understanding where things are. All of that leads to it doesn't matter how much time you put into the game and because that is the great equalizer. Once you have the knowledge, that's the great equalizer. And you could play up against someone who's level 100 and you can be level 15 and it doesn't matter. You have a fair chance of actually getting that person. And that to me has been fascinating to watch people play because there are people who are already level 50. They have pushed five, six days into the wipe. They have, you know, really no life to at the keyboard and they have gone for it because that's what they want to do. And, you know, good for them. That's awesome. But at the same time, they're still getting killed by level 20s because that's just the way Tarkov works. So I think you're absolutely correct. I think the mixing of these two types of players in the way that has happened in the early part of this wipe is so different than what would normally happen. And it's just the timing, just the holidays, you know, where people have more time to do recreational, casual things. And I think the game is a lot more interesting, even though it's harder. Oh my gosh, yes. It's it's uh, it's like maddeningly fun, right? It's like, you know, it's going to be challenging. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot more groups playing as well. And it's not groups of players that don't know what's going on. I mean, I have ran into more two and three man teams and even four man teams that have just been absolutely strategically sound. I mean, there was a time where 
I was in big red trying to get uh, customs tasks done or trying to get the items out of the customs office up there in big red on the customs map. And I got surrounded by a three-man team, completely flanked, nothing I could do about it. They cleared everything. They're throwing grenades at every possible place I could be in, forcing me to move, forcing me to act, and they just flushed me out and destroyed me. And that's just not something that I experienced last wipe in the beginning. Last wipe in the beginning, I was kind of like coasting through tasks. And yeah, there, there was some challenges here and there. But for the most part, it felt like I was just kind of doing my task and sort of coasting. And then every once in a while, I'd run into PvP. That is not the case this wipe. I mean, the tasks, interchange, the high value loot spawns, all of the stuff for the hideout, those places are heavily contested. I'm not running into a lot of players that shoot and then back off. It's like, they're coming for you, man. Like, <laughs> there is just a different level of aggression that comes with a vast majority of the player base, again, being comfortable with the game. So the reason that I, I guess I wanted to talk about this so much is it's it's a different level of expectation. It requires thinking differently about what's going on because so many players are going to be progressing so fast because for the first week, potentially even two weeks, a lot of people have pushed far into the game that normally wouldn't have done it, right? The high playtime players would have pushed far into the game regardless, right? If, if they have the ability to play 40 hours a week or 30 or however many you deem as a high playtime player, they were going to do that anyway, no matter when the wipe was released. The cool part is that a significant chunk of the player base that doesn't have that time does have the time right now. And so because of that, there is a massive number of players, in my opinion, that have progressed significantly. Now, while I'm talking about this, I do want to say, maybe you hear this and it's the first time you heard that the wipe happened, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's possible. I think someone's going to message us and be like, I didn't know. I didn't hear the last podcast either when you announced it. I didn't know. And that's okay. It's also okay if you're brand new. It's also okay if you've played a ton and you're only level six. It doesn't matter. That's okay. There's no reason to feel bad about progression in this game because it is super challenging and different playstyles yield different results. So I don't want to say that you should be progressed. You should be spending more time in game. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's noticeably different how many people have pushed into progression lanes and are getting into the 20s and 30s, and you're running into some high-level 30s and 40s. It is just really interesting that one weekend, there are so many people already pushing into the mid-game, which I find fascinating. I find it cool. I find it challenging. And again, the word I used in the very beginning is just different. It feels different, and I think it's kind of cool in that way. Yeah, and this is a great chance to take the opportunity to say, hey, if you are level six, or level an early level and you're really struggling like you're really struggling things aren't going well jump into discord general chat has just been popping lately with just people talking about what's going on the looking for group channels in the xville discord have been just going crazy there's a lot of people playing right now come in look for someone find a buddy to play with and i bet you'll find somebody who is able to at least play with you at the very least, or maybe show you some tips and tricks to help get over the particular situation that you're facing right now. Our community is large, loves to help people, and this is the perfect opportunity to jump into the Xville community because there are plenty of people who are excited about the game right now 
and they like playing with other people. So that's just a quick plug. Make sure you jump into Discord. Yeah, and I want to follow that plug up too because I actually experienced this a few nights ago. I had a couple hours to bounce in and out of games with people in the Discord, and I experienced three different four-mans, four-man groups that were myself, two other players that have been playing for at least a year or more, and there was a new player, like brand new, in all three of these groups who joined the Discord, was in LFG, and got picked up. Again, we talked about this on the last main episode, but I just think it's incredible that, you know, people get frustrated, man. If you go into the general chat in XP for the Tarkov discussion, there's people that are really, really struggling right now. And some of them are new to the game, some aren't. And working through that stuff and getting tips from other players and having people ask questions about your play style and maybe offering up some tips and tricks, you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know what you need until someone points it out. I, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead to one of one of my tips that I sort of forgot. But I was playing this game again, doing something that I find really foolish, but I did it for the first like four days. I was putting my find and raid quest items that I needed for tasks in my secure container. And I was leaving barter items that I could have used towards hideout upgrades in my bags. So if I died... I had non-find-and-raid items in my secure container, and I lost my barter items that I could have used for the hideout. And this happened like five or six times, and then I saw someone talking about it in general chat, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've lost how many hoses? I've lost how many light bulbs? I've lost how many salines? All because I had a flash drive that I put into my secure container. So I switched that, and now, because of that conversation, I have put my barter items into my secure container, And I leave my task items in my bag because if I die, that person gets them. And then in my mind, you know, I'm helping them get their tasks done so they get the heck off my map and let me finish. (laughs) Get out of my map. Exactly. Get out of here. Go. Go. Skit. Uh, it's, it's actually, that's a great, that's great advice because it's actually completely contradictory to what you think that you should do goes against your instinct to protect your quest items at all costs, but the quest items aren't usable if you die. So there's no point. You know, it goes back and I would encourage everyone to listen to the EXO podcast from, you know, six months ago where we talked about the find and raid change. And that's really the why that this really makes sense to do. And it's just something that we have to think about differently in this wipe that maybe we haven't had to in the past. And because of that, as we kind of make our strategies for getting these tasks done and getting these different things done early in the game and get the hideout progressed and all of those different things, you can really hurt yourself by not doing this correctly. And it's interesting too, because if you need an item for the hideout, it doesn't matter if it's find and raid. So put all that stuff in your bags. Like if you, trigger's right, if you find a hose, you need like five to 10 hoses for various hideout things. You need motors, you need flash drives, you need light bulbs, you need light bulbs, lots and lots of light bulbs. And it goes against kind of how we've been playing before with the high value stuff going in the secure container kind of at all costs, because after you get past this initial phase in the wipe, you can put a high value item into your secure container and always sell it to a trader. But we're not there yet. We're not at the point where that really makes sense yet. So that's a great point. And I think it's one that needed a little bit of uh, you know follow up because I really want people to understand that's a huge thing. I'll say this. The hose is probably the item that 
will cause most people a ton of pain. I just got to point this out. Last wipe, and I haven't hit these tasks yet, but I'm fairly certain you need four hoses to be found in raid for tasks. And it's the spa tour task line that requires that. But in your hideout, you ready for this? Five for booze generator level one, two for nutrition level two, four for water collector level one, six for water collector level two, three for lavatory level two, and six for lavatory level three. So that's 12, 15, 19, 21, 27 hoses for your hideout, which again, some of those I haven't even got to the booze generator yet. 27 hoses that you will need. Those items are highly, highly prized. If you find a hose and you have an IFAC and a splint in your secure container, those should be coming out and put the hose in there. Otherwise, you're going to spend 120 to 140,000 rubles per hose, right? I mean, we're talking millions of rubles worth of hoses that you need for your hideout up to level 30. Like right now, I've got everything done except for the booze generator on there. So I still need five for the booze generator, which I just learned because I pulled up the wiki while we were talking. And then I need four found in raid for the spa tour task series, unless they've reduced those like they did to some other tasks. It's crazy. And there's other items like that, like wires you need a bunch of, plugs. Like It's just make sure that you don't do what I did. And I lost three hoses, and I know that I lost three because that's when I made my choice. It took me three times of losing hoses to realize I needed to change the way I was managing my inventory while in raid. So don't be like me. Yeah, absolutely. You can make hoses too, I think, in lavatory. There's a craft for it. So that's something to keep in yes. mind too. You need blue tape and wires and the, the white tube at some various quantity, but... Yeah, it's going to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but it's because I have the page pulled up on the wiki, but it's three blue tape, insulating tape, three wires, and one silicone tube at lavatory level two gets you two hoses. So great craft to be focused on. And it's the reason why tape, wires, and tubes are so expensive if you're looking to sell those. I mean, again, I would suggest keeping them and using the craft, but if you are looking to make money, those are high-value one-slot items, the white silicone tube, wires, and the blue insulating tape. And they're good things to make even after you don't need them anymore because they're going to be valuable for a while because there's a lot of people that are going through hideout progression right now, and that stuff will eventually you know, go back down to 20, 30K per. It's just the way that this all ends up. But right now at 140K for a hose, it's a profitable craft if you need money to fund your in-game activities. Overall, we said the wipe is different. It's definitely feeling different, not only from the player base acting and being a little different. I just wanted to let everyone know to be prepared for that if you haven't experienced it yet. But I, I do want to spend a little bit more time on some tips and tricks and thinking about some of the high level and also very specific tips that we've already gone through a little bit for early wipe success, especially for early levels and also keeping in mind players that are brand new to the game. I mean, just this week in the XP Media Discord, I've talked to, I think, six people that bought the game with their you know Christmas money or the check from grandma or, <laughs> or whatever it was. So there are brand new players to this game. There are two players that I remember reading about in the introduction section that together they switched from console to PC and bought Tarkov, right? It still blows my mind that people do that. They go from console, you know, playing on a controller to keyboard and mouse and picking up like the hardest game to learn for anybody, even people like me that have been playing PC FPS games for 20 years, 
right? So we have brand new people in the Discord. So remember that when you're when you're trying to help somebody out as well. So let's dig into some of this. I want to talk about loadouts at some point, but the point that made me think about this was players are rushing to high value loot spawns and they are also clearing other players off the map whenever they can. I see groups doing this in almost every game. So I've employed two strategies specifically for when I am playing by myself to combat this. And the strategies are similar in that they basically is getting to a spot and waiting for a few minutes. And you've heard us talk about this before. Specifically, you've heard Ronald talk about this before. He's like, you know, wait in a bush for five minutes, completely get out of the rotation of the early game and just wait and then go play. It's almost like scaving as a PMC. And I've been doing this. I will either move slightly off spawn and wait, you know, and again, I'm, I'm stealing time wherever I can now. So sometimes it's like, hey, I'm going to go load into a raid, find a, a safe place to sit and then, uh, you know, go clean up that thing or build that toy I was supposed to build. Seriously, dog, you choose now. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll go find a place to s really go lay down. Jojo, lay down stay so i'll i'll go rush to a spot and wait for five minutes and then you go build the toy that i was supposed to build or clean up the mess that was supposed to be cleaned up or whatever but i'll, I'll do it in two ways one strategy is to do it right off the spawn just move slightly out of the spawn area and wait the other one that has been more common for me especially on interchange i will do everything i can to like rush into the mall and go to Emercom or near Emercom, skip the looting on the way and go find a spot to hang out. Now, I was lucky and I found the Emercom key for the main floor of the mall and I was able to do that. So I will go into Emercom, open it and slowly loot or wait for five minutes and let the high value loot spawn PvP take place and then I will proceed or I'll defend my spot if necessary. But I have a found this extremely effective for battling these early player spawn clearing teams and the teams that rush in for the high value loot. So I wanted to bring that up because it's strategies that have caused me to be very successful and get out with a lot of loot in my solo raids. Getting out of the way of what's going on in the normal PMC rotation is a great way for the single Tarkov player to kind of mitigate the disadvantage that comes from not playing in a group you know so if you're going 1v4 1v3 1v2 whatever you can actually use stealth in the game and the game provides you a lot of ability to do stealth use that to your advantage hide in that bush it may seem very counterintuitive if you're new to tarkov and you're coming from a run and gun fps like apex legends or call of duty tarkov is not like that success in Tarkov is not going to look like those kind of games. It's interesting because I do think that overall, the way to win at Tarkov is just to live. You have to survive. You have to win. That's the best way to progress in Tarkov. However, there is a slight variation on this for the early game. I have changed my objective to always living to being purpose focused. And most of the time that purpose needs me and requires me to live. But for tasks like 
kill 15 scavs or kill 25 scavs, those kinds of things. I have been playing in a way where I go in with a cheap loadout and I just say, okay, if I die, I die. But I'm going to spend a bunch of time in the middle of the map just farming and being very intentional about that farming. And I think that it that's one variation on the strategy for every map that I think is important because everybody knows that if you don't live in Tarkov, you're going to go broke and you're just not going to be able to play the game. You do have to live. You can't just be running all the time, making noise and then getting killed every raid. You, you, you can't play the game that way. However, there is some variation, I think, in the early game that I didn't really understand until now because I've played the game long enough now where I kind of understand the nuance of this, where it's okay to go in thinking, okay, if I die in this raid, it's okay. I'm doing a part of a task that is specifically not survive and extract. It is something that is just a do something on the map. And killing scavs is just the best example that I can come up with. And that has really helped me get over the point of, okay, I have to kill 15 scavs. And for a lot of players, that's a wall. That's a huge wall to kill 15 scavs or kill five or six PMCs or turn over, I think it's what, four or six USEC dog tags to, you know, a friend from the West or whatever. Those are those are walls for people. Those are real walls. And if you can adjust your, your thinking, your mentality just a little bit, I've found success doing that. Hopefully that helps somebody. I I actually think that's great because you're right. You can do progression without surviving. No question about it. And you outlined one of the best ways to do it is there are tasks, both killing scabs and PMCs, as well as tasks like markers, right? If you mark a truck and successfully defend it or basically don't die while the plant is finalizing for 30 seconds, that progression stays even if you die. So it's really good to be progression mindset in this game. Also, if you go into a raid and you put three hoses in your secure container and you happen to die to PvP later, well, you've progressed your hideout. So it's a great way to think about the game. But you mentioned a budget loadout. And I think this is probably the most critical thing in the beginning of the game is to understand what a budget loadout looks like or could look like. And there's a bunch of different opinions on the best way to go on ammo types, on the guns, etc. But I actually am super curious because I'm sure you know what your loadout is. Uh, what is your budget loadout? And, and if you can, I guess I'd be really curious like what the, the price points on stuff are or if you know the total cost of the loadout. I'd love to hear that because Having a go-to, okay, this is my bare minimum setup that I'm going to go try to uh, get tasks done in is really good. Because we all know you can throw a pistol on, you can just go in with a gun, you can go in really light gear. But I think it's really, really good to know what a budget loadout is, which means, you know, armor and a gun, maybe a headset, things like that. So what are what are you using as a budget loadout right now? Well, first off, I just want to say, if you're new to Tarkov, if you just picked up the game this holiday season, I have to give you a little bit of advice that is going to make your Tarkov experience a little different than most other games. If you go to YouTube or if you go out and try to find resources for what's the best gun to use, what's the best armor to use, Tarkov doesn't really work like that. You're not going to be able to find a YouTube video of a streamer who's been playing Tarkov for 100 hours in this wipe so far and using gear 
and then go find that gear and buy it or use it. It's just the game doesn't work like that. Tarkov has phases for sure and steps along the way. Most people listening to this know that, but there's probably at least one person who doesn't. So I want to give that standard disclaimer. But knowing that, what I'd like to talk about is what I used at level one and what I used when starting off completely from zero and give some ideas on what's effective and what's not and what's worked for me. I think one of the most effective early game guns is the SKS that you can buy from Prapper for 23000 This is a 762 by 39 gun, uses PS ammo, which you can buy from Prapper for 91 rubles a round. So 60 rounds is what I take into raid. That's 5,400 in ammo and 23,000 in gun. And so for 30K, I've got an effective gun and I've got 60 rounds. I put the 60 rounds in my secure container to start with. As far as headset and helmet protection, I do think it is valuable, especially in this stage of the wipe. And a headset and a helmet is going to save you from scavs quite a bit in this part of the wipe. So the green army helmet that everyone sees, that's the SSH-68. You can buy that from Ragman level 1 for 14k or for 23k. You can also get a very cheap headset that actually is effective. It just sounds different than the later headsets, the Swordens and those kind of things that you get at level 30 and the more kind of end game, late game progression stuff. But for early game, get a 14,000 ruble headset, the GSSH-01. It gets you able to hear, especially around corners. And that's the big thing when you're in the early game, you're able to hear either above you in a, in a building, below you in a building, around a corner. The headset allows you to hear those footsteps. It allows you to hear somebody reloading a mag in a bush. It really is kind of a game changer in that way. Uh, so really quick on the headset, I avoided the GSSH like the plague because it was way too loud. It was almost like it hurt my ears and a lot of people complained about that. This patch, they reduced the footstep noises and I find this headset doesn't require tweaking the in-game audio like it used to. So if you were used to avoiding this headset because it was too loud, I suggest you try it again because I've found that it's actually manageable and it's I actually enjoy the headset now. So if you avoided it in the past, highly recommend checking it out. I also want to talk about armor. I think it's important to understand where the uh, diminishing returns and armor comes from in the early game, because there definitely are places where you're going to see people say, well, unless it's class four or better, it's junk. Don't even wear, worry about wearing it. And they're saying that because there is some truth to that. However, when you're in the early game, you really are not worried about the level 45 streamer PMC who's going to hit you in a long range shot and be able to get through anything. That's not the person that you're defending against. What you're doing is you're trying to make yourself so you don't get killed by a scab. This phase of the wipe, that's really all you're trying to mitigate. If you try to get super technical and get into all the other pieces of this ammo can pen this armor and this and that, you're wasting your time right now. You really just need to worry about not dying to a scab because you want to be able to get in, get through some task progression, get some items, and get out of the game. Along those lines, I want to talk about two armors that I have found to be somewhat effective and they're not super expensive. The first is the level two Paka. You can buy this from the level one traders. This is a 30,000 ruble armor that you can buy. It has, I think, 40 hit points, 40 or 50 hit points, 40 hit points, I think. Now, being a level two, it's not going to survive some of the higher tier ammo, but it's not designed to. 
This is designed really to give you a fighting chance to run away from a scav fight, or at least be evasive in a scav fight. The most effective armor that I have found where it has a balance of what it costs versus how effective it is against the ammo in this phase is the Kirsa. It's 70 hit points when it's new, and you can buy them on the flea right now for anywhere between like 30 and 40,000 rubles that are maybe half used. So let's say that you buy one that has 35 hit points or so. If you spend another 10,000 hit points to repair it to like a total of 60 hit points, you have a class 3 with 60 hit points. That's going to get you pretty far right now in this phase of the wipe, and it costs you maybe 40k. And I think that's kind of important. Like, you're not going to be able to realistically run class 4 armors in every raid right now. You're not going to have enough money to do that. And you can't get them from the traders until level 30. So you're just not going to be able to do that. So you have to start looking for the value in what kind of higher tier armors that you can buy and repair. And I've found the Kirsa to be a great value in that space. As far as attack rig and a bag go, I'll be honest with you, I have done a lot of tasking raids without attack rig or bag. Doesn't matter, don't need one. I'll grab whatever a scav has. I kill a scav, grab a scav vest, grab the blue IKEA bag, grab the, um, you know, a duffel bag or whatever, and then there you go, you've got a small bag. If you're spending your money at this phase, if you're under level 20 and you're spending your money on scab backpacks or burkets or whatever you're spending your money on to have a bag for every raid, in my opinion, I think you're wasting your money. You don't need it right now. Your goal right now is to get tasks done, kill PMCs, kill scavs, and then take out what you find from them. And I think if you think about that, if that fits into your strategy somehow and maybe tweak some things, if you're struggling, that might help you. Yeah, that, I, I love the loadout. I love the high level concept because I think that killing scavs and taking their vest and their bag is a huge, great concept. The other thing to note here is, you know, if you if you get in a situation where you kill multiple scavs or you have a scav backpack, you can fit burkets and the day bag and scav backpacks inside of each other over and over and over and over again. And it's one of the reasons I love factory. You all know that. But one of the first things I did, I was like level six and I went into factory for a couple hours and literally just started my backpack farm. I was basically going in to get experience and bags. And I know that factory is not an easy place to farm. Uh, we got a guide video that just went up on the high level factory strategy and we're going to have subsequent guide videos on each individual spawn. So if you haven't been to the YouTube and seen that, that's coming out soon. It did get interrupted by the wipe slightly. <laughs> Wasn't planning on the wipe happening when I started my factory farming videos. Battle state. Thanks, man. <laughs> but I love it because that is so true. You can get bags off of scabs. You can get vests off of most scabs. It's a good tip. Regarding the, the ammo and the SKS, I, I think PS ammo is always my go-to as well. You can find decent ammo for like 55639 or 55645 off of scavs, you know, so sometimes it's worth unloading the ammo out of their magazines, even if you don't have room for the gun or their mags. Take the ammo. But PS is great because it has a high pen chance, it's available early, and that makes the SKS a fantastic early game gun. It's not fully automatic. But I really think that going full auto in the beginning of the game when you're using unmodded guns and stuff like that, it's really great for super close quarters combat. 
but I find that most of the combat I get into is 20 meters to 40 meters away. There's really not a ton of people that are pushing in or fighting in places that are super close quarters, unless it's for a task, you know? So if you start getting into those tasks where you're running into dorms, you may get a close quarters fight. But I found that every time I had to go into dorms, I would go in, go straight to the room that I needed, get the item and get out. I was very intentionally not fighting in those areas. Now, it's not to say I wasn't expecting that one would break out, but oftentimes I was able to get in there and get out without ever encountering another person. Or if I heard people in there, I would wait a minute and then go in after. Like, I I did not want to die with my quest item, so I avoided some PvP in dorms and got out successfully. So all of that is just great tips. The thing that resonates the most with me, though, is that early game armor, the class 2s, the class 3s, are for effectively being able to fight and kill scavs. It will protect you against PMCs that aren't using good ammo, but really quick, there's people that farm reserve. There's people that farm labs. There are players that have pushed progression up into the level 40 area. There will be people that you encounter that have good ammo. And those armors aren't designed to protect you against that at least very well. And I think the number one thing to take from this is money is challenging in the beginning, whether you're upgrading your hideout, whether you're gearing up to go get a task done, and you have to try five, six, seven times, you're going to be using what you get from scabs, what you get off of players, and your kits are going to be interesting. They won't always be the same one every time, but having a go-to budget is great to know that you can always do this for 65k or whatever you said it was with no bag and no rig. Or if you have some extra rubles and you want to gear up, do it. But everybody else is doing the same thing. Everybody else is in the same boat. Nobody's out there right now at level 7 or level 15 just swimming in rubles. They may gear up for one raid and kill you. But the odds that in the next raid that you run into another geared level 15 who spent all their money on the flea market to buy that class 5 armor or class 6 or whatever it is, it's unlikely. But it can happen. It's Tarkov. You can run into Landmark one day and then never see another player the next three days. You just don't know how it's going to go. So don't get so caught in your loadout that you forget that other players are trying to figure out how to budget their economy as well, because there's task progression, hideout progression, and then having a currency backlog. There's been times on three separate occasions on my way to level 20, that was my last major breakthrough, where I went down to less than 10,000 rubles. And I say that because I think most players are experiencing that. They're going completely broke this wipe because they want to start that hideout upgrade. They want to push this task. I don't want to sell this barter item because I have it found in raid and I know it's for this task that's coming up. There's so many reasons why you go broke or why you run out of money. If that's happening, it's fine. Remember, you have scav runs. Use them to sell the gear off the scav to make money to buy what you want. Use them to get those barter items. Don't be afraid to put on a vest and a pistol and do a throwaway PMC run. Treat it as a scav run, and if you get out, great. You got stuff, you got experience, you got items. All of that is okay. All of it you should be utilizing to move your PMC and your hideout forward. And I don't know, there's just, I see a lot of people really down on their performance or down on the state of the game. And I just think it's one of the most fascinating early wipe experiences 
that I've seen. And it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, I, I know that being level 23, I don't know where that puts me in the pack, but it was not easy getting there. And I don't think it's been easy for anybody. Even the big streamers that are pushing level 40 have talked about seeing tons of groups of geared players, of really good players. So I, I'm just kind of echoing, like, don't be hard on yourself because it is really hard right now. Absolutely. And as we kind of wrap this episode up, I'm going to give you one more gun tip that I've kind of used in the first part of the early game, especially level like 10 to 15. You can get a AKM for three Tashankas at proper level one that can also shoot 762 by 39 PS ammo. Great gun if you want to go with something a little bit different other than an SKS although it does require the Tashanka so it is more expensive or harder to get than just buying straight up an SKS. But I do think that if you are discouraged or if you're feeling a little bit down on on how hard the game is right now, keep plowing through. I've had myself just like Trigger, I've had many people DM me directly and say, "Hey, you know, what are you doing? I'm not a I'm not a running gun FPS player. I feel like I'm getting killed all the time. How do I make it through this?" And my specific advice to all of you is just to slow down a little bit, be more intentional with what you're doing in game. I know that I was definitely excited in the beginning and kind of running around like a crazy person. It wasn't I I was feeling this kind of urgency to level that was probably not realistic for the way that I played the game. And the biggest thing that I realized is I just got to play my game. And so if you're if you're having a hard time and you have played a lot of Tarkov, just play your game. You know, your game is your game. You know how to play when you're six months into the wipe and you have plenty of money and everything's firing on all cylinders. Play the same way now. Just play your game, slow down, do your thing, be intentional in your raids, and it'll come. You'll eventually get there. But along the way, we'll keep talking about it and we'll keep... Uh, We'll keep encouraging everybody, and the Exfil community is is around to help out in any way that we can. And so looking forward to, yeah, talking about more about this wipe as the weeks kind of go on here and kind of seeing how this all kind of develops. But I'm starting to see that green bar flash, which means that we are moments away from disappearing. But before we do, I want to take a moment this week to wish a happy new year to everybody. It's 2021. We're going to be starting off. I uh, hope this year is a great year for everyone, and I hope that uh, your in-game experiences are great, and we're just looking forward to what 2021 brings for the XFIL and for XP Media in general. So look for some big things from us in 2021. We are excited to bring more uh, content to you. But besides that, remember, you can always find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google, Deezer. Don't forget our friends on Deezer. And if you are on the audio side of the house, you're already used to finding us there. But you may not realize that you can watch this show on youtube.com slash now. And for those of you who are the YouTube audience, thank you very much. We appreciate each and every one of you. Please go ahead and on any platform that you listen to the XFIL, whether that's on audio, whether that's on YouTube, wherever it is, leave a comment or a review or a thumbs up or a like or however the platform supports positive feedback. It really does help all of the algorithms push the show out and gets more people involved in the community, which just makes it better. But for now, thank you for listening as always, and we look forward to seeing you in-game, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, guys. We'll see you out there. Good luck in the new wipe. Can't wait to hear your stories. 